0: Welcome to the Equip Podcast. Here you'll find conversations from people of all different walks of life, sharing their experiences, the things the Lord has taught them, and things to equip you. Equip is based on Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 that talks about equipping God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That is our goal here, to build you up and equip you through seasons of ups and downs in life. Welcome back to another episode of the Equip Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gibson, and today I'm joined by Tiffany Elkins. Tiffany is going to be sharing what it's like to raise a special needs daughter. Tiffany is married to Barry Elkins, the University of Mary Harden Baylor's women's head soccer coach, and they have three kids. Welcome, Tiffany. Thank you so much. So let's start off. Um, will you share us with us your story about finding out Molly Kate had special needs?
1: Sure. So... Um, My husband, Barry, and I have been married for 25 years, and like you said, we have three children, Colin, who is 21, Kate, who's 19, and Molly Kate, who is turning 10 next month. Um, And at the time we found out that we are going to have Molly Kate, the boys were 9 and 11, and all four of us were thrilled when we found out we were going to have a little girl to add to our family. Um, And there were a few concerns in my pregnancy, but when Molly Kate was born, they checked her out, everything seemed fine, so we took her home, settled into life. Um, But as time went on, she was not reaching her milestones. She wasn't, you know, trying to reach for toys or trying to sit up or roll over or babbling. And, you know, in the beginning, we weren't really concerned because we were third-time parents. And, um, you know, we knew that all babies progress at different rates. But as more time went on and she continued to be delayed, we started having a lot of tests run and um, started her into physical therapy and then eventually occupational and speech therapy. And at that point, all of the professionals kind of thought that um, she would catch up with help. And so as the months went by, she really did not catch up. She Mm -hmm. continued to be severely delayed. And it became apparent that, you know, something else was going on. So... We had more tests run, and then finally, after she was about a year old, an MRI revealed that the cerebellum at the back of her brain was too small and so hadn't formed properly, which is a condition called cerebellar hypoplasia. Mm. Um, so we were actually on our way out the door um, the night that neuro- the neurologist called. And we were going to one of the boys had a um, like a performance at their elementary school. And so we get this phone call and basically he said, you know, here's what we found. This is probably going to affect her balance, her muscle tone, her learning and speech for the rest of her life. And so we, I was like, furiously jotting down what he was saying. We hopped in the car, we called our parents on the way and, you know, tried to put on our happy faces and walked into this, um, in this concert, even though we had just received, you know, this life changing news. But that was really the day that we knew that this was not something she was going to catch up from. It was something that was going to be lifelong mm-hmm. um, for her and us. So that was a really tough time. And kind of the way that has played out is that today at age nine, she um, uses a wheelchair and she still is unable to sit up unassisted very long on the floor or in a chair because of her balance. And um, she requires help with most everything she does, you know, with feeding and eating and, and just all of her Daily living activities, and then her speech is definitely affected. She said her first word, which was "mama," at age four, Aww. and then she has developed other verbal words since then. But also uses a communication uh, device to help people under- people understand her. But um, She's the cutest thing ever, and she God is. has She's been. Precious. <laughs> Thank you, um, God has just been so good to us every step of the way, and there's still a lot of hard days, but we've really found the beauty of walking with the Lord, and that you can have joy in the middle of the really, really hard. So mm, that's
0: good. So, what has been the biggest blessing to come from raising a daughter with special needs?
1: Um, I think the biggest blessing for us is just getting to be the up close recipients of all that we have learned from her. Um, And, you know, a lot of people will say what's wrong with her. And I always think, gosh, there's so much more wrong with me than there is with her. Um, You know, she loves unconditionally. She never meets a stranger. She befriends anyone and everyone without judgment. She doesn't hold a grudge ever. And she's just the most joy-filled child. Um, She wakes up every morning with a smile. She goes to bed with a smile. And She just, she truly does bring joy to everyone she comes in contact with. And we've learned, you know, so much more about the upside down kingdom of God and how he delights in using weakness. And, you know, I think just getting to see how God uses her to touch other people. I mean, sometimes we just sit back and think, you know, how did we get so lucky to be her parents? So blessed to be her parents.
0: I love that. What is it like to parent a child with special needs or disabilities like Molly Kate's, while also parenting children that
1: don't have that kind of disability? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think this is something that is definitely on my mind all the time. Um, And I think in talking with other friends that are raising child, children with disabilities, um, it's something they think about all the time too. You know, are we doing enough for our other kids? Do they know beyond the shadow of a doubt that, and I'm gonna cry <laughs> I'm a crier I'll just or in advance um but do they know beyond the shadow of a doubt that they are loved and valued just as much as the one that takes up all the time and the energy and the resources um because you know they've had to sacrifice a lot for their sister over the years but um just like anything there are some really great things that have come out of that um you know just what they have learned and who they are and who God is shaping them to be in light of, of their sister. Um, but there's also some really hard times. Um, you know, they all have needs. All three of them have needs. They're just different and their mm-hmm. needs that, you know, we want to meet. But definitely over the years, we've tried to spend individualized time with each of them. Um, back in May, we, we worked really hard to make a lot of arrangements um, for Molly Kate so that we could take a trip with just the boys to spend some focused time with them. And, you know, they're in college now. And so um, I try to, you know, schedule lunch dates or buy concert tickets or things that, you know, that they will especially enjoy where we can make a point just to have that individualized time with them when we're not focused on caretaking. And, you know, when they were growing up, we always tried to say yes if they wanted friends or have a party at our house. We wanted to be the house where they were, even if, you know, there was medical equipment all over the place, or if Molly Kate needed to go to bed early, we always try to make it work because it was their house too. And so, yeah, it can be a hard balance and something that weighs heavily on our minds for sure. But, you know, we do our best and we know that God is using her disability not only to teach and change us as her parents, but her siblings as well. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, it's so sweet to watch them interact with her. Like, they just love her.
1: Yeah. Precious. (laughs) They really do. They do.
0: (laughs) So what do you do when you start feeling burned out? It's kind of hard. I mean, you mentioned you were able to get a vacation with your boys, but mm-hmm. what do? You, how do you combat those feelings?
1: Yeah, it is really hard because there's not much of a break. Um, in a lot of ways, you know, it's like having an infant for 10 years and then there's a lot of people that have done it for much longer than us. You know, mm-hmm. you with an infant, you eventually know they're going to grow out of the stage of needing help with every single thing. But um, but for us, it's, it's 24-7. And um, so I think that Barry and I are really good about giving each other short breaks when the other one needs it. Um, and like you know, we said, we saved our pennies and went on the off-season uh, to the beach with the boys before summer started, which was a good break because going into the summer when she's out of school, you know, it is, uh, is a lot more caretaking. And thankfully, we have some help with that. But um, that kind of gave us a boost, you know, a kind of rest going into that. Um, but I think that something too, that God has really been teaching me recently is that, you know, I can go get a break. I can have some me time or whatever, but it's only going to provide temporary rest. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to be just as tired the next day or two days later. And so he's continually just been reminding me that my true rest is in him and that, you know, I need time in his word and not because it's something I need to check off a list, but because my soul needs that. Mm -hmm. And, I just find that I have such a better outlook on our situation and my exhaustion when I am abiding in Him. And so I think finding time to be in His Word and then, um, you know, even if, you know, like to take a walk and just listen to praise music that um, recharges my batteries and, and refocuses me a lot of the times because um, truly He is where I'm going to find true rest. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Yeah, that's good.
1: Well, and I
0: saw y'all really involved in your church. You talk about your church on Facebook a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. So how have people from the church, from the community supported you over the years?
1: Yeah, we have been really, really blessed with um, family and friends who have prayed for us, brought us meals and helped over the years. One of the biggest acts of love um, was that when Molly Kate, she got her first wheelchair. It was a power chair when she was two and our uh, my neighbor from our church and several other church friends organized what was called the 5K for MK. It was a 5K where um, they had a race and a silent auction, and um, a lot of people donated to raise money for a wheelchair accessible van for us. And you know the cost of those are just astronomical, mm-hmm. new or used. And so that was an incredible outpouring of love, and it's something that I still think about every day when I load her in the car. Um, but you know our church has provided. You know, before she had a wheelchair and she was unable to sit up, you know, at age one and a half or two, they provided special chairs so that she could sit with her friends in Sunday school. um, So many things like that. And then I think just in more recent years, what has just meant the most to me is that those, you know, it's those people that continue to just check in. You know, there's always a lot of outpouring of love and support and prayers when a child first gets a diagnosis, Mm -hmm. but then kind of as the years go on when the parents are still in the throes of caretaking. And for us, you know, it's the physical side of it is getting harder, actually, Mm -hmm. as she gets bigger. Um, You know, it's just the friends that check in every week or two just to let us know they're praying, they love us. And even if they haven't lived this life, just knowing that they're seeking to understand and letting us know that they're here for us, um, that has really meant the world to us.
0: Oh, that's so good. Now, you posted about this recently on Facebook, so I wanted to ask you about it. What Mm -hmm. role do you think those with special needs can play in the church?
1: Well, as you know, I'm very passionate about this topic. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, I believe the special needs community is a huge unreached people group in Mm -hmm. our churches. Um, They say that somewhere around 20 to 25 percent of the population in the United States is disabled, and so um, I believe that should be reflected in our churches because these families need the gospel. Um, you know, everyone needs the gospel, but I just can't imagine walking this road without the hope of Christ. Mm. And so I'm very passionate about disability ministry, but um, also it not being just this thing we do like, oh, here's this group that we just help. You know, I'm very passionate because the Bible speaks to it that not only should we be serving those that are disabled, but that we should be giving them the opportunity to serve mm-hmm. um, with their gifts in the church as well. And um, I think on that post, I had quoted well what Paul says in First Corinthians, that those who seem weaker are actually indispensable to the body of Christ. Um, so I love to see friends who serve as greeters or sing in the choir or who stack chairs Um, whatever they're able to do, you know, to play a vital role in the body of Christ because we need them in our churches. And um, sometimes you have to get creative to do that. But, you know, like Molly Kate loves to serve with us at the welcome desk um, because she gets to greet everyone. And she's been on several youth choir mission trips with us when we've gone as a whole family. And I remember one year, um, her job was to hand the empty boxes to our pastor who was breaking them down, um, But that was her job to get to hand those boxes. And she took such delight in having a role to get to be a part of what everyone else was doing. And so, um, you know, I think first we have to make our churches welcoming to those with differences. We have to make them accessible so that Mm -hmm. people can access our buildings. And then we need to not only serve families, but to give them a place to serve as well.
0: We have a greeter in our church on Sunday morning that comes with his mom every week. And Mm -hmm. I mean, above and beyond greeting just i mean he's precious and I, it just is adds an extra smile in the mornings when you get to see someone who you might not expect to be serving
1: serving yes yes yeah she um just the stories i have of the interactions she's had with people as they come into church um definitely she puts a smile on everyone's face i love it uh what would you say to
0: people who don't have a special needs person in their life Any advice you could give or a challenge?
1: I would say just to look around and see who you can meet, who you can include. Um, Many of our families feel very isolated at Mm -hmm. times. And, you know, if you have kids, you know, I would encourage you to check out books or um, resources that teach kids about disabilities and that differences are okay. They're not a bad or scary thing. Um, And that a lot of times kids with disabilities have so much more in common with typical children Um, as far as things that they like to do, but, um, I'm also just a big fan of teaching kids just to say, hi, I actually Mm. asked my mother-in-law if she would make Molly Kate a shirt that says, just say hi on it recently, because, you know, instead of shushing our kids and telling them, don't stare, don't stare, you know, teach them just to come up and say hi. And that can start, you know, a beautiful friendship and it will mean so much to those families that sometimes people look away from, Mm. um, so I think, you know, if you see families in your church or your community or your school, just reach out to them, but you know, try to get to know them. Maybe, you know, each time you see them, making a point to go and just say hi, ask how their week was. And and sometimes people, you know, say, Well, I don't really know how to help. I don't know how to support you. I think just by having that relationship and getting to um just getting to know them, their needs will become apparent. And you'll, you know, you you'll, you'll kind of know how to help them from there. But um yeah, I think just getting to know them and not only will you be a blessing to them, but they will absolutely be a blessing to you too.
0: <laughs> I love that. What would you say to a young parent that just found out their child has special needs?
1: Um, I would say Sorry, I would say that I know it's really hard and it's really difficult um finding out that what you expected your child's life to look like is going to look a lot different. Um, but something I preached to myself the day that we got Molly Kate's diagnosis, and I still have to preach to myself today, is that um, the God of the past is the God of the future. He is mm-hmm. the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and He has been faithful to us all of these years, and He will continue to be. He's already in the future, and He's not going to let us or or you getting the new diagnosis slip out of His grasp. Um, and as hard it is to see at that. In the beginning, um, you will be witness to so many little miracles and you will have an upfront row of seeing God display his glory through his child. And I love um, in the book of John where, you know, the disciples are asking Jesus, why is this man, why was he born blind? Was it something his parents did or or his sin? And Jesus says it was neither. It was that so that the works of God might be displayed in him Mm. and you will see the works of God displayed in your child. And that child may teach you more than you ever dreamed you would learn, but there is joy in the journey mixed right in with the sorrow and there is purpose for your child and there is a purpose in your story. And then I would also just add on to surround yourself with people that are already on this journey. Um, Find a group of parents in your town or online. There's a lot of support groups. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a group called Rising Above Ministries and they um, connect caregivers all across the United States, maybe the world, um, to online Bible studies. But you need those people that are going to understand, and it's important to seek them out because there are days that you'll feel like nobody nobody understands, and these people can help you through it. Um, and I'd also say to find a church community that can come alongside of you because um, it's really hard to walk this journey alone. And thankfully, we know that with Christ, we are never alone, and really that's ultimately for me you know, what gives me strength for the journey.
0: Mm, so good. Thank you for sharing your story with us, for sharing sure. some of the things you've learned. Um, anything we missed or that you want to add before we close?
1: Um, not that I can really think of. I just uh, appreciate you asking me to speak on this because like I said, there are so many families dealing um, with disability and it's just my passion to to share the hope of Christ because like I said, that's, that's what allows me to keep going on this journey.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, there are two questions that we ask all of our podcast guests. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is what is something you're learning? And then what is
1: something you're loving? Okay. So something I'm learning, I just finished a book and this is not a book about um, disability. It's just a, a book by Elizabeth Elliot called mm-hmm. Be Still My Soul. So good. And, um, very, very good, and at the end of it she talks she references second corinthians four ten and eleven and how it relates to dying to self each day, and she talked about how she had to die like a thousand little deaths to herself when she was living in the jungle as a missionary um, and didn't have any of the comforts at home, and how that passage reminded her that she was there to die daily to herself um, so that she could empty herself so Christ could pour into her and I've just kept thinking about that after I read it about how it relates to me and our story and how there are, you know, deaths that I need to die each day to my selfishness, to my you know, my grumbling spirit, my complaining at sometimes of how I wish things were different. But as I die to self, that allows God to move. And to fill me up and really changes my outlook and attitude. So I'm learning that. I haven't, I wouldn't say I've learned it completely, but it's, it's like a great lesson. A <laughs> right. And then what are you loving? Uh, what I'm loving. Um, do y'all have summer moon coffee and Tyler? No, we don't. No. Okay. So I'm not a coffee person per se, but I do like foo-foo coffee. Uh-huh, Lots of stuff uh-huh. in huh and we just got summer moon coffee, which I think it's um, based out of Austin, really popular around there. But we just got a coffee truck. And unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know, it's right between our house and Molly Kate's school. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Dangerous. Have, yes. And they have what's called moon milk. And Ooh. that's... Oh, it's so good, and it's so creamy. It's the best coffee. Like, I can't drink anything else. We need one. So if you ever go buy a summer moon coffee, you have to try it, because I'm definitely loving that right now. They just built a
0: Dutch Bros in Tyler. Okay. So maybe we'll be getting summer moon soon.
1: There you You go. We got a Dutch Bros right before. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) See, there it is.
0: Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for being here and sharing your (laughs) story and insight into your life with us. Thank you so
1: much for asking me.
0: Thanks for listening to the Equip podcast. Be sure to subscribe to be the first to know when a new episode drops and follow us on social media to stay connected. We're at GABC underscore women. See you next time.